Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. This show is sponsored by Kingdom Builders Live. I want to tell you about Tamara Lowe and Kingdom Builders Academy because I did something very unusual. I actually went to them and asked them to sponsor this podcast. The reason I did that is because of the amazing results that they've been getting for everyday Christians over the last five years, turning them into best-selling authors, high-ticket coaches, and successful public speakers. If you're looking to make your first 100K as a writer, speaker, coach, or online entrepreneur, I give my highest recommendation to Tamara Lowe and Kingdom Builders Academy. I personally gone through her training and I hired her to be my coach to help me get to the next level in my business. Now, Tamara Lowe is a New York Times bestselling author and has worked with world leaders like George Bush, Billy Graham, Colin Powell, Mother Teresa, Peyton Manning, and many more. She is recognized as the number one expert in teaching Christians how to increase their income, impact, and influence. Now, coming up very soon, Tamara is putting on a free three-day live online event called Kingdom Builders Live that will show you how to go from zero to six figures in as little as 12 weeks as an author, speaker, coach, or online entrepreneur. You can get all the details and register for free at www.kingdombuildersevent.com. And when you use that link to register for free, Tamara has even agreed to send you a free copy of her best-selling book, On Purpose, How to Find, Fund, and Fulfill Your God-Given Purpose. This is something she is doing exclusively for my listeners of this show. So register now for Kingdom Builders Live and get a free copy of Tamara Lowe's book at kingdombuildersevent.com. Listen, if you've ever wanted to write best-selling books, impact lives as a public speaker, launch your own coaching program, create online courses, or start an online business, then your next best step is to register for Kingdom Builders Live, a free three-day live online event. You could grab your free ticket now and get a free copy of Tamara's book at kingdombuildersevent.com. That's kingdombuildersevent.com. And now on to today's show. 
Today, my featured guest is Nate Goad, and Nate is a husband to Lindsay, father of four, entrepreneur, and a certified financial planner. Growing up the son of a church planter, Nate felt drawn to business as his mission field. Over the last few years, he has journeyed around learning to steward well the resources in his personal life. While navigating this topic with clients on a daily basis, Nate has begun to feel that God is challenging him to look at the resources that have been entrusted to him from an eternal perspective. So many times, BC Nation, we're only looking at the material. We're looking at what's in front of us, what we can touch and feel and smell and taste and and hear. And we're not thinking eternally. We're not thinking that we're only here temporarily. Now, sure, when we go to church, we're reminded of it and we say, yes, I agree. But then we go back out into life and we forget, don't we? We forget that this is just a mission field and we soon will be in heaven together. Um, And we really should start acting that way, shouldn't we? So Nate has become passionate about viewing business as a vehicle to create and shape the culture of workplaces and their surrounding cities. He loves inspiring, encouraging, and challenging others to tap into heavenly resources in every aspect of their career and business. Now, if this sounds too good to be true, well, Nate's going to tell you how to do it, right? He's doing it in his own life. He's been surrounded by others uh, that are doing it in theirs. They're bringing heaven into their business, so to speak, and he can tell us more about that. Um, Nate, go to Welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take a minute. Just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thank you so much um, for having me. And uh, yeah, that intro did a good kind of job capturing uh, who I am. Um, But I think another part around it is there was such a journey to kind of get to where I'm at today. And really a lot of this for me has come into focus over the last, say, three or so years. But, you know, I can remember, um, you know, growing up, my dad was actually a pastor, church planter, Um, and really early on, uh, you know, as a pastor's son, you always get asked the question, are you going to follow your dad into ministry? And even from a young age, I felt that business was my area I was supposed to pursue or my, my lane to run in from a ministry standpoint. And I can even remember early on feeling this strong desire to make money and really wrestling through that and it taking years to, to find freedom um, in that. So I guess just an encouragement is uh, the journey uh, can be figured out along the way. And for me, a lot of this um, has come in the last kind of three years, but there's been seeds that have been planted over the last, you know, 30 years of my life. Mm, very cool. Take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I met um, and got married and we actually lived a year in Sydney, Australia. So we say we do big life things together. So uh, we got married. I graduated from college and we moved out of the country all in about a three month span um, and spent our first year of marriage in Sydney, Australia. And it was absolutely amazing. Have such a love for that country. And actually our uh, oldest daughter, we named Adelaide, which is a city over in Australia. So it's got a fond place uh, in our heart. Mm, it's a pretty name. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so 
you grew up son of a church planter, um, yet God put that entrepreneurial bug within your spirit, uh, and then you have to wrestle that. Like, is it good to go pursue money? How much money is good? When do, when do I cross the line? Should I follow in my dad's footsteps? Right? That's a lot for a young man uh, to take on. Um, how present was God in your home? How strong was the faith? What denomination were you guys raised in? Uh, walk us through the uh, teenage years. Did you stay close to God? Was he just like a... Uh, a really nice thought, and then into college where many of us uh, give up our faith and, and just wrestle with uh, agnostic, you know, uh, types of questions, etc. Like, walk us through those years and tell us that yeah. story. Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up uh, as a pastor's son, um, you know, kind of my, my, my family's faith journey, um, my dad went to Dallas Theological Seminary, um, was pastor in a Baptist uh, a group for a while. And then I think it was in the 80s, early on, um, he got connected to John Wimber in the vineyard. And I think it was at a conference, um, went out there and just saw the expressions on people's faces and just realized that there was more than what he was experiencing. And so kind of as a family, we went from kind of a more of a Baptist background into non-denominational, got connected with the vineyard. Um, and so I kind of was coming up um, as a child when we were experiencing, what does it look like to have more of God and kind of a more personal relationship? And it definitely kind of shaped um, who I am uh, around a lot of that stuff. I mean, my my parents are amazing um, faith home from, from the start, but I really wrestled with it because, you know, part of me felt like I was born into this. And so back to some of your questions, um, really, I say my faith became real for me at 15 and ages 12 to 15 were for me areas where I struggled and kind of, you know, did things that a lot of pastors, kids probably get into mischief. Uh, my parents prayed a lot for me, I'm sure. And there was a lot of heartache associated with that. But, you know, during that period of time, I thought, I was born in this and this is my truth because of what my family kind of brought me into. But if I was in a Muslim household or born into a Buddhist household, um, that would be my truth. And so I really wrestled with it. And then at age 15, my God just became real. And I was actually at a summer camp and uh, one of the counselors, we, you know, some guys are wrestling and ended up getting hurt, broke his elbow. And in his process of kind of sending him out, we just prayed and it wasn't even praying to ask God to do anything. We just prayed for him and his, his bone was healed. And at that moment, I realized like, this is real and this is truth. And not because I was born in this, but I've seen the power of God. And that was really a shift for me um, in my life at age 15, where I said, okay, my faith is now my own. And this is something I want to pursue. BC Nation, I don't know about you, but I wasn't talking like that at 15 years old. I wasn't that mature. Just putting that out there. Okay. Uh, all right. So now that at 15 years old, you knew God was real, how did your life change? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great question. I mean, you know, I there's a lot of things I was kind of struggling with and wrestling with and experimenting with that at that moment, it was just kind of a line in the stand to be like, Hey, you know, I want to pursue 
I want to pursue God. Um, I want to pursue the things he has for me, kind of get my foot out of the world. And, you know, I can even remember, you know, at that point there was, um, music that I would just say, like, it didn't glorify God and <laughs> it really didn't glorify God by the lyrics. And I'm sure, you know, growing up in the nineties, being a, a, a child of that, if you, if you have that context, you, you know, understand some of that. And I just remember like my mom finding some of my music and like, just seeing like every CD having parental advisory, explicit lyrics on it and asking the question, like, what is this? But, you know, wisdom for her is like, she didn't take it away from me. She allowed the Holy spirit to really stir my heart. And I came to a point myself where I said like, man, this is just not putting me in a place where my mind's in the right, the right frame. I need to get rid of that myself. And so, you know, some of that looked like getting rid of uh, influences that weren't glorifying God and, you know, really diving into, into scripture um, as well. And, you know, getting out of the party scene and all that stuff that I was doing again, some people do that in college. I did that from 12 to 15. So I just say like, Hey, I got that all out of my system and had <laughs> no draw for me, but there is really a marked change as far as like what my focus was, if that makes sense. Mm. So now that your focus shifted to God, to Jesus, um, did you feel a calling, uh, to do something for him? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. Um, I always felt like business was my lane to run in, but I didn't really know what that looked like. And, you know, I'll rewind to, to a very early time in my childhood. Um, my family grew up in, in New York state and we moved to Florida when I was eight years old. And, you know, I can remember at that point there was, there were six of us four uh, four kids and my parents and my dad took a pay cut where literally you know, he made half of his salary from New York to Florida. And there was a season where like, we never went without, but we didn't go without because like groceries just show up on our door. And I can remember being, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old. And I'm sitting at a baseball field. We've got one vehicle. I'm waiting for my parents to pick us up. Practices ended. And I just remember having this desire that like, I want to make a lot of money. And I really wrestled with that. And it was twofold. Like, I want to make a lot of money to be able to, to support my family, but also to be able to support others and not just say like, hey, I'll, I'll pray for you, but let me pray for you and also meet a physical need that you have, maybe monetarily. And I really wrestled with that. And so going back to, did I feel called? Like, I had those things all throughout my life, but the outworking of that really up until three years ago, I, I didn't know what that looked like. And so business is my lane. It's like, okay, maybe I make a lot of money so I can give away to kingdom things. You know, I can share my faith with my coworkers, but that was really the extent of it um, as far as how I worked that out. And then I really had a shift about three years ago uh, as far as what that looks like. So tell us about what shifted three years ago. Yeah. So, so, for me, um, three years ago, I got connected with a great tribe, uh, and you mentioned a little bit heaven and business, and and the whole thesis around that is, what does it look like if heaven were to show up in your workplace? And you know, connecting with this group of people, it just shattered every box of what faith in the workplace can look like. And the theme of the first um, conference I attended was around building businesses and building cities. And the, the scripture it was taken from was around stewardship and, and, 
in the scriptures, you've got the parable of the talents where um, the servants are given money and they basically go and steward it well. And there's another one that's a very similar story called the parable of the, the, the miners or the parable of the minas and a very similar kind of stewardship principle, but the reward is very different. And so for me, it kind of shifted things because if you look at the parable of the minas, you know, a servant is given one mina or mina and he goes in and does something with it. And the master comes back and says, hey, what did you do? And the language is different because the servant says, master, with your minas, I put those to work and they created this as opposed to the talents, the parable of the talents, the servant says, I did this. And so it was this whole shift around one, all that we have, it's not ours. We're stewarding it, we're managing it, but it's not ours to control. You know, we place it places, but it's not ours to ultimately decide where that goes. And then the reward around that was like, well done, I will put you over cities as opposed to more stuff. And so for me, it kind of brought all this stuff together to say like, hey, I am here to build businesses that carry the DNA of heaven. And because of what they carry, they influence the cities, you know, with the, with the DNA of the king. So that for me was kind of a shift to bring it all together to say like, man, I can lean into what I'm doing in business. Um, I can lean into who I'm doing it with as far as, as my, my heavenly father. And we can build something that's going to carry his DNA and impact every sphere of my life. Mm. So do you still wrestle with making a lot of money or is that part of your ambition so that you can serve more and do more for the kingdom? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good question. Like wrestling with it. No, I don't feel like I wrestle with it anymore. Um, I now look at money as more of a byproduct than the focus. And so again, like if you go back to the principle or stewarding well, you know, either the parable of the towns or the parable of the minas, like if you steward well, like you're rewarded. And so again, like I just look at being obedient to what God's calling me to do and stepping where he's asking me to step and kind of the byproduct of that is, is resources. Um, but not the goal, not the focus and not the purpose of it. And, you know, there's been a lot of things in my life, you know, my background is I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner, which is a very rigorous process to kind of go through. And, you know, I look at the the natural economy and the kingdom economy being very different, you know, in the kingdom economy, the least, those of you that are least are going to be the greatest. And, you know, there's just all these paradoxes where I feel like in business, I've had to unlearn a lot of my training um, to really lean into to, to God and realize like he is my provider. He is my source. He's ultimately the one that's going to help me achieve success or walk me through failure as opposed to doing it through sound principles and wisdom. Now there's, there's roles that that plays, but um, again, to answer your question, I look at byproduct more as uh, money as more of a byproduct than kind of the aim, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So as a certified financial planner, you get to work with a lot of uh, individuals that are pursuing wealth uh, creation and what's the most common um, pitfall that you see in many of their lives, uh, even Christians? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, what I'll, what I'll say about personal finance is it's more akin to weight loss than it is math. If I were to ask any single person, how do you lose weight? Like we all know logically, how do we do that? You know? Don't eat the Big Mac, exercise, 
you know, less in more, more, more goes out. Um, but the actual doing it is where everyone falls short because it's hard. And so again, with personal finance, I think so many people logically know certain things to do. Okay. Well, let's not take out high interest credit card debt and keep balances yet. Every single person does it. And so the biggest thing that I see uh, for people as far as pitfalls is just the behavior side of it. And that's really where you determine success or failure. And so, you know, when I work with clients, I say, hey, there's the math. We're going to do all those things and get you on a plan. But really having someone that can help coach you, you know, I, I look at a personal trainer or a dietitian or someone that can help you walk through that process really is kind of how I've been able to come come alongside with people. And that's really where you dictate success or failure, even if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, you know, there's what's different asset classes have done. And then there's what's most everyday average investors have done. There's this massive gap. And I've seen a few people that have coined that the behavior gap, because again, it's, it's executing what you think. And then through the hard times, being able to stick with that plan, if that makes sense. Mm. It does. I mean, in my line of work, I get to, you know, coach Christian husbands, uh, who are angry and stressed and move them from that place into peace and purpose without therapy mm -hmm. or marriage counseling. And uh, much of it, like you said, is just shifting their behaviors. They already know what to do for the most part. It's already pre-wired in us, in our conscience, mm -hmm. um, how to treat their wives, how to treat their kids. They know what to do, what's right. Uh, in their lives, they're not doing it. They're doing the opposite. They're yelling and blowing up on their wives and kids, right? Because they don't know how to express that anger and frustration of feeling out of control, etc. So I find it fascinating uh, what you're saying um, because in the financial realm, it's you really need a coach uh, to coach you on the behaviors of finance, uh, not just the knowledge. And then in the spiritual realm, I believe you also need a coach uh, to coach on the behaviors of living a kingdom life uh, and raising a kingdom family and running a kingdom business. Uh, so I think you're speaking uh, too much of that. You know, so many times I see, um, you know, when we're pursuing money and, and growing our businesses, uh, we tend to focus so much on that because it takes a lot of focus uh, for long periods of time to really build something of value that can scale. Uh, but meanwhile, we put, you know, the people and relationships that matter eternal relationships, we throw them to the side and we say, hey, hold tight. You'll be fine. Let me go just do this for three to five years or 10 years um, and know that I'm doing it for you, right? Like that's our, our consolation prize we give them. And uh, what is your take on that? Um, because it is difficult. Like we know that's not the right way to do it, yet we're all doing it. Yeah. Like, what would you say to my audience right now who finds themselves in that place? They don't want to be in that place, but they don't see a clear alternative. Like, mm -hmm. how do I run a kingdom business where I start attracting all of God's resources when I thought I was, but I'm not getting the resources? Like, this is a struggle yeah. building the business. The money's not coming in the way I thought it would be, but I'm stewarding well, I think. Speak to that, would you? 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And I feel like it's been a part of my journey that I've had to really lean into what does that look like kind of on a daily basis. And I guess a couple of thoughts around that is I've been on this journey for the last couple of years of not striving. And the way I, I think of striving is if I'm having to force something, I'm probably doing it wrong. And so I had this kind of epiphany around, I mean, prior to this, I was in a sales role. And so sales roles are all about, Hey, you've got to go through the numbers, you know, more prospects you talk to, you've got a conversion percentage and it's all about going through the numbers. And so I remember I had a guy coming in uh, to town who wanted to connect with kind of kingdom entrepreneurs around some projects he was doing. And my default was like, okay, if I can get six, that'd be great. Eight would be better. 10 would be best as far as number of meetings and appointments. And I remember him challenging me and saying like, Nate, if God's on this, like you shouldn't have to strive and force this. And so is this whole reframing for me and, and just praying even over that weekend to say like, Lord, not let it be more meetings, but let it be the right meetings and guide my steps around that. And again, from everything I've been taught or all my trainings, like that was completely different. Um, and so it's been this journey of what does it look like to build a business and to, you know, be, be high performing, but not force it and not strive. And, and part of my journey over the last three years has been this idea of co-laboring. And what co-laboring is, is that like God is involved with every area of our life. He wants to do it with us. And so prior to, to, to kind of getting connected in this group, I feel like, you know, I was running business based on spiritual principles and be like, Lord, give me direction. And a lot of times I would get that direction, but then I'd be like, okay, I got this. And I kind of run ahead, if that makes sense, where this whole idea of co-laboring is like, God, let's walk step by step. You want to be involved in every aspect. You want to be with me in the good times and the bad times. And there's a process to that. But, um, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a dad of four and my kids are from eight to two. And so I'm in this season where there's a lot that needs to be done at home. And so I'm walking through that on a daily basis is what does it look like to do those both well? And, and for me, you know, it's, it's relying that God, you're the one that's going to give me success and like daily, like, let me lean into that. How's it going? <laughs> well, all right. So I'll give you some context. Um, I shifted seven months ago into my new role after being kind of in a corporate role for six and a half years. And there was all kinds of fear associated with that. I mean, again, my wife doesn't work. So I'm like, man, am I leaving the safety net? And is this right for my family? And even like a week before I can remember just having fear and God taking me back to, to just the moment where like, he let me know I'm with you in this. And so I stepped so how's it going? Seven months in, I actually was just sharing this with um, with some guys I do life with. And I had a goal uh, of a certain number as far as it produced in six months. And I'm seven months in and I'm almost 400% of what that initial number is. And I made this comment, what I thought would take five years, God built in five months. And so it's all to say it's going well. <laughs> it's going well. But there was a lot leading, yeah, leading up to that. And um, for me, it was a four-year journey of, of being released into this and passing up lots of good opportunities. Um, but man, God is doing amazing things. 
If you could, because you know, being an entrepreneur yourself, that we love systems, we love processes that move us uh, closer to success. Mm-hmm. Um, we love the list of the five steps I need to take, the step-by-step blueprint. To, be, to make this shift from striving uh, and, and building and growing, uh, relying mostly on self into uh, co-laboring with God, partnering with God, going step by step with God, are there actual steps you took to make that transition? Like if you took a minute just to sit with that, are there three steps? Are there five steps that my listener could do? Uh, whether it be mindset, you know, steps or a surrendering type of prayer that you did that moved you from this place of, of relying and stressing out all the time on your relying on yourself and all the stress that comes with that into, okay, I'm going to slow down, stop striving, co-labor with God and my five-year plan. Wow. God did in five months at 400%. Like, Everybody wants to do that. Everybody wants that model. Yeah. So how do we do it? Well, I don't, I don't have a formula, but if I look at some of the parts that were super instrumental in my journey, I mean, I, I think the first thing is, is identity. Who am I? Who am I as a son? And what do I have access to around that? And so again, you know, my first time kind of connecting around this, I was like looking for strategies and networking and that all happened. But the, the thing that God lasered me on is like, who am I as a son? And because my dad owns it all, my dad created it all. What do I have access to? And so I think starting from that place of identity is like, hey, I'm a son and I have access to all the resources, all the wisdom, everything I need. Like that was just a shift in kind of the place that I started from. Um, I think the second thing that's been very transformational around me is just the thought that my dad is always speaking to me. And if you go in Matthew, you know, talking about the shepherd and the sheep, you know, he's a good shepherd and starting from a place of, of it's easy to hear his voice. He's always communicating it to me, but it's easy to hear his voice. And so, you know, there's a whole nother layer as far as what does that look like? But um, understanding that like, he's always talking to me and he's giving me, you know, wisdom and even, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis, like understanding like how he communicates to me has been absolutely instrumental. Um, And then I think the third part for me has been journeying with other people as well that are coming at it from a similar space that can encourage me that can call me out when I need to be called out and can kind of, you know, help me around this. Those, those have been three things that have been absolutely crucial. So identity, hearing God's voice, and then having a tribe of trusted people. And and in my life, it's five guys that we journey around together on a regular basis has been absolutely incredible. All right, BC nation. Aren't you glad I asked that question? I hope you grabbed your pen and paper and wrote down notes. There's your three steps, if there were steps, to the formula of making that transition uh, from all the stress and anxiety of being in control of your own destiny. 
uh, and moving into giving it back to God and letting him um, control and, and guide your steps, right? Because this peace that comes with that when you don't have to, like you could just show up and like follow the paint by numbers plan for your life. Like, I don't know about you, BC Nation, but man, that just like feels so much lighter, doesn't it? Like you don't have to come up with the steps. You just got to follow them. All right, Lord, I did that one. Now what's next? Oh, go here, son. Ah, okay, I'll do that. Right? But the key is to have the faith in between the steps, even if you disagree with the steps. Right, Nate? Like, Nate, we're going to wrap up the show here. This has been a great episode, I think. Um, where has been the biggest area that you've doubted God? And how did you get past that? What'd you do? Yeah, I mean, part of my journey is just seeing his continued provision. And again, with my background as a, as a planner, my default is I want strategy A. And if A doesn't work out, I've got B and then C and then D lined up. And, you know, again, that's relying more in my intuition and strength. I think, honestly, a lot of what I experienced in my childhood around just seeing lack for seasons um, contributed to that kind of fear of like not being able to provide. And so, I mean, my journey for the last couple of years is just trusting that God is a good provider. He is my source day to day. He's going to be the one that, that gives me what I need. Um, and, and really leaning into that. And it's been kind of a experience for me because I've just seen a track record where I've seen God come through time and time and time again. And so leaning into that, I mean, again, how it's been a challenge, but how I overcome this is just seeing the goodness of God. And I, I would say the testimony of what he's done in my life before he's going to do again. So hopefully, you know, the next time that I'm asked to step and step into something of faith, like it comes a little easier because I can point back to all these mile markers in my life to say like, Lord, you did it then you'll do it again. I so agree with that. I have journals of God evidence, like God is real evidence in my life, right? Where he came through at, at the clutch. Yeah. He loves clutch. He's a clutch player, man. I don't know why he does it. Probably because it requires my faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All of us. So we've been speaking with Nate Goad. This guy's a cool, awesome kingdom business builder. Um, not only in his own life, but he's teaching others how to do it as well, right? And uh, so, Nate, uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show. Are you ready? Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? Uh, I would say that he's relational. And he wants to connect with every one of his kids. Yeah. What do you, what is your least favorite thing about God? Um, I would say maybe that, you know, some of those paradoxes of faith, his ways are not my ways. And I wrestle with logically like that doesn't make sense uh, all the time um, around some of the things. And so that, I would say those are some of the things that I, that challenged me a lot. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. 
Uh, what are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Yeah, I mean, I highlighted a little bit before, um, but just not striving. And I would say this, building business from a place of rest. I mean, to me, that seems like counterintuitive and it doesn't seem like you could do that, but I'm feeling called uh, because of season of life where my kids are at, what I'm doing. Like I need to have a very intentional inward focus, yet I've got responsibilities and God's quite frankly, bringing me all these opportunities to, to do amazing stuff. And so how do I build from a place of rest? That's something I'm currently working through um, now. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on a little bit, but just not being able to to provide um, for my for my family. Like that's been something that there's been fear around. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's, I think it comes up now and again. I think I've, I've overcome a lot of that. But, you know, if I listen to, to the flesh, that's something that's there all the time. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Being on my cell phone. <laughs> for a variety of different different things it seems like it's uh controls you a lot and when you get those screen time reports man they're sobering sometimes yes what's uh what secret fear do you have about people oh you know i i think um just how we're all so interconnected and i'll phrase it this way someone else's choices can impact me in a negative or positive way. And like, I think the fear is in a negative way. Like I think of, you know, I had a, a friend growing up that was killed by a drunk driver, you know, nothing that he did, but the choice someone else made that impacted him. I mean, I, you can think about that in a lot of lens and as a father and as someone who wants to control all the variables, like the fear of like, Hey, you can't do that. And someone else could, could impact your life in a, in a negative way. I think there's a fear there. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing around kind of co-laboring, like I would phrase it like that God is for me. He wants to be involved in every aspect of my life and go with me and everything that has changed and shifted my life in such an amazing way. Uh, I wish I would have learned that 20 years ago. Yeah, I get that. What is a new habit you want to create or you're going to create? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll phrase it this way, like around movement and, you know, that looks like exercise, but I'll, that also looks at like very practical things. Like, man, I do a lot of stuff via phone calls and, and business. And so, you know, one of the things that inspired me recently is I was listening to a guy and said, Hey, any call that doesn't need to be a video call, I try to structure those over in a two hour block and I get a nice pair of walking shoes and I go and take a two hour walk while I do those calls. It's like, man, I've started doing that over the last couple of weeks and going to try to structure that more just to kind of do things that are good for me um, when I'm doing some of the things that I have to do. So we'll just say movement, more movement is going to be my uh, new habit. I like that because you're doing work-life integration. You're not doing it either yes. or all. You're saying, hey, how do I combine these two things, business and yep. exercise? Pretty cool. Uh, what's a bad habit you're going to break? Yeah. Uh, let's say get rid of the cookie monster, <laughs> especially we had a, we had a Christmas parade uh, last night and my wife is an amazing baker, uh, comes from a, a line of, of them. And so there's always way too much stuff. And 
when it's there, forget about it. I can uh, enjoy sugar. So that's one thing I'm breaking uh, this next year. Excellent. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, three words. I'd say I'm a son. Um, I'm loved and in God, I'm complete. Hmm. Pick three words to describe who you were before uh, you started to co-labor with God. Yeah. Um, the first word that comes to mind is like searching. Uh, I would say confused and there are parts of me that were, that were broken. Yeah. Got that. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about uh, co-laboring with God? That's the the theme of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess my, my final thought and encouragement is um, I think of Psalm 37 for delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, I just want to encourage listeners like God has placed from heaven in your heart desires. And like, I want to just encourage you to, to go after it. Um, one of my journeys recently has been just realizing that faith pleases God and changing my default into action. And so I would just encourage anyone listening to this. Um, if there's things that are in there, like start to take a practical step to walk those out. You know, you don't need to know how it ends in five years, but again, coming from the place that faith pleases God, do an action around what's in there. You know, that reminds me of a quote from uh, one of my previous guests, Pedro Adeo, a kingdom uh, builder as well. And he says, your acceleration moves at the speed of your obedience. Your acceleration moves at the speed of your obedience. And that's faith, right? God gives you an idea. He gives you a step. Don't question it. Just act. Like move fast and then God accelerates it. So I really like that. I've been trying to apply that in my life as well. All right. We've been speaking with Nate Goad. Um, and we'll put uh, his links in the show notes. Uh, Nate Goad, uh, how does BC Nation get in touch with you if they so choose? If they want to find out more about you or they just like you? Or they want to ask yeah. you a question <laughs> about your four kids? I don't know. Where do they, where do they go? Yeah, uh, man, I'd love to connect with anyone who wants to. So I'd say probably a good a good place to find me, um, LinkedIn. Um, if you just look up my name, Nate Goad, um, I'll, I'll be there. I'm fairly active on it. Uh, most of the other social media stuff, I'm not as active in. But if you reach out to me via LinkedIn, would love to would love to connect that way and take it from there. All right, so that's Nate Goad G O A D. G-O-A-D. Nate, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock? in the morning time is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things you're not keeping your word in the matter you're letting people down maybe your own spouse or kids do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated which is turning into anger are you battling addictions right now are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines 
if any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.